There's worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. The goal, of course, is to be like you. Daywalker. You got the best of both of us. All our strengths. None of our weaknesses. I'm going to be naughty. I'm going to be a naughty vampire god. You just don't know who you're fucking with here, do you? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. That's a good way to start off this episode. Considering what we're doing today, I'm Tom DJ. And I'm Derek Ferguson. Figure we get the explicit tag right out of the way. No, but that's good. That's the one thing that I remember about the Blade movies. And that's what we're going. We are coming back finally to the Marvel at the Movie series. We're almost done with this. We got this episode and one last one to wrap up. And we are, in fact, talking about Blade. Blade, which actually, and I don't know if you agree with me on Mm -hmm. this, if it wasn't for the Blade movies, we wouldn't have all of the Marvel movies right. we have now. A lot of people wouldn't see these movies. Didn't even know this was a Marvel comic. I think a lot of people can, still don't. When I took my friends to see the first Blade movie, they said, Oh, well, you mean that's a combo character? I said, Yeah, he's a combo character that goes back to the 70s. Right. That's how old he is when he was reinvented for the Wesley Snipes movies. The movies reinvented him for the comic book. They adopted their character for the comic book. But before we go on to our little trip with the Daystalker, yeah, we have some view. I'm about to say viewer mail. I guess you count it as listener mail. Yeah, We've in fact, got two little. We got mail. We got mail. It's right up here, right on the screen. We're doing this in my basement, folks. Mm-hmm. So Tom is filling around with my computer. Like we've said in the past, if you want to get in on the fun and send us an email, the place to send it is better in the dark. That's better, the letter N, the dark at gmail.com. So read the email. Okay, this is from our friend Chris Johnson from the Amazing Spidercast. Spidercast guy. Right. He's cool. He is very cool. He's and cool. if you've not checked out his podcast and you like Spider Man, you should check it out because he and his co host Jennifer. Really kick out the jams. He was judging by her voice. I like to meet her. <laughs> Married man that I am, but I like to meet her anyway. He's talking about episode 11. It's actually like two shorter emails, and then later on he talks a bit about episode 10. Some thoughts on the movies discussed. Underdog. I did not see it when it was on TV, but I have seen episodes on DVD. It's a fun little cartoon with that superhero theme to it. When I saw what the Disney movie was going to be, I had the same thoughts as Derek. Another attempt at revitalizing an old property that becomes something entirely different. Thank you. Stardust, waiting for the DVD. It does look good, though. Thank you. The Invasion, I have zero interest. Great cast, but the actual movie doesn't grant me at all. Thank you. The Last Legion, don't need it, I've got 300. Have you seen... Thank you. Have you seen... Now that the TV spots have come out for The Last Legion... They're Make trying. it look more like 300. You know what I'm Yeah. When they, oh, well, King Arthur. That's what I thought when, was funny. You know, when it first came out. Yeah. But now they make it look more like 300. I'll wait for the DVD. Halloween. Can't I, wait. I'm with you, Chris. Can't wait for the remake and you guys' Spotlight episode, which you've already heard by now. I've seen them all except for three for obvious reasons, and the first is the best by thousands of miles. Tom and I are going this Friday to go see... Rob Zombie's Halloween, and we will let you know what we think about it right here on Better in the Dark. Yeah, that'll be in our next review episode covering this quarter. Resident Evil, haven't seen the first two, not starting now. Risk Cutter, like you said, I think this could be either fantastic or craptastic. Trick or Treat, Wildstorm is putting out a weekly miniseries based on it. Okay, I guess it's more like anthology comic. 30, 30 Days of Night, I've heard it before. But not what it's actually about. Now that I know the premise, I can't wait to see it. Genius. Oh yeah, thirty. Oh yeah, thirty days in that. Thirty yeah, days in that. And finally, so, he says Saw Four. I've only seen the first Saw, which I think is a brilliant film. From what I heard, the other two degenerated to slasher mess. 
uh, we should mention oh, uh, that the Amazing Spidercast did celebrate its first anniversary. Once again, it's a lot of fun. Do check it out. Now, his second, he's Chris, you're a great guy. You do a lot of good work with your Amazing Spidercast. We support you, and we're going to continue to support you, and we're all in this together, brother. He then sent me another email shortly after that. He sent you another one? Yes, which is... Oh, my God. Referring to episode 10. And there's some news about something that we talked about in episode 10, which I guess we might get to briefly. But it said, yeah, some of the best horror movies are the ones that are so bad they're good. By the way, I was listening to episode 10 again, and I thought of another great show that was sort of serialized, the remake of Night Stalker. I love that show so much. It was scary at times, especially if you watched it with the lights off. There was this larger scope running through it that was interesting and intriguing. Problem is, ABC put it on against CSI and Apprentice, and it was canceled after seven episodes. And then it puts this in all caps, IN THE MIDDLE OF A CLIFFHANGER! They released all the unaired episodes, and I got the whole show off iTunes. It was just a fantastic show that didn't get its chance. Man, I hate TV politics. Now see, Chris, me and you was cool until you sent us that email. Now anybody could like the remake of Night Stalker. Part of the problem with that show was that it was referred to as the Night Stalker, because that wasn't Kolchak. It was a much different show that I think Frank Spontanitz wanted to do. You know the only good thing about that show? Gabrielle. The only reason why I watched it every week? Gabrielle, Gabrielle Union. Union. That's the only reason I watched that show. My wife deleted it from the TV <laughs> every week. Because after Pam Greer, right. that's my fantasy girlfriend. Don't, don't feel too bad. I had a girlfriend once who would refuse to talk to me for an entire day if I had so much as mentioned Jessica Alba's name. The original Night Stalker was one of the most brilliant things that's ever been put on television. Very scary. However, the remake took everything and they said, well, you know, we're going to throw it out and make it an X-Files clone. Yeah. For those of you who have been deriding me for actually voicing the opinion that Heroes sucks, we got the news last week that they added somebody to the show. Somebody by the name of Kristen Bell. Yeah, yeah. Damn you, Krim Kring. From Veronica Mars. And as you know... You are not going to go off again. I just wanted to say... No, I gave you five minutes. I just want to say... I gave you five minutes. I have to watch this now. I gave you five minutes. We are not going to do this again. I hear you, but I gave you your five... I got to support my girl. No, listen to me. I I gave you your five minutes. But I got to support my girl. I gave you five minutes. I love my girl. You know that. I gave you five minutes. Okay, okay. Anyway. We're not going to talk about heroes no more. We're going to go into what this episode is actually about. Who actually had And you better not cut none of this. (laughs) (laughs) This version of Blade actually had And you guys think that we get along. (laughs) I know you think, oh, yeah, oh. Oh, they so lovely. They get along yes. so well. No, we don't. <laughs> we fight back for my wife is separating us out. <laughs> Jared, put down the gun. This so what a, are we talking about? We're, we're talking, talking about, about the Blade series. Blade. Who started out... The movie. The movie. The movie series. The character itself started out as a supporting character in Marvel's Tomb of Dracula. Tomb of Dracula. Two really great men, Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. The idea that Marv Wolfman had was that he wanted to create different kind of vampire hunters to play off of the vampire hunters in the Tomb of Dracula. Blade was obviously influenced by Richard Roundtree's Shaft. Oh, you really think so? I think he's actually said it in interviews. He was the son of a woman who was bitten by a vampire as she was giving birth. By uh, the vampire Deacon, Deacon Frost. Frost. Deacon Frost bit Blade's mother while he was an embryo. In utero. As a result of that, because of the unusual conditions that mm-hmm. he was born, he had all of the strengths of the vampire. He had super strength. Right. He could turn into mist and everything. But he didn't have the weakness. He could walk during the daylight, which Thus. is where he got the legendary term of being the day, the day walker. walker. He was a minor Marvel character at best. Through most of the 70s and 80s, he was a supporting character in Tomb of Dracula, which I will advise all of you, even if you don't like comic books, that's an excellent hard Tomb yeah. of Dracula. That whole Marv Wolfman, Gene Colan thing is what comic books and is about. And it's to their genius. Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan, that when they decided they had enough. Marvel chose to cancel the book. One of those rare cases... Well, that's about when Marvel yeah. had integrity. For a while, he was just kind of like in the fringes. And then he came back during the 
mid-90s, as part of the Midnight Suns line, teamed up with his old friends Hannibal King and Frank Drake as the Night Stalkers. Keep that name in mind, because it's going to come back to bite us on the ass. He was still the same kind of grim, mean... That's where he first started carrying the samurai sword. And he was optioned, ultimately, around 1996, I think, for a, a movie from New Line Cinema. The champion of this was a man by the name of David S. Goyer. Oh, you don't like it at all. I'm not a fan. David Goyer Mm -hmm. has been instrumental in a lot of the Marvel movie adaptations that we've seen. Well, he's become kind of the go-to guy. He's the go-to guy. Okay, we need a screenplay. We need a producer. We need a director. Let's go to him. Either him or Jeff Johns. Those are the two big names that people like to go to because they know that they're comic book guys. The odd thing that people seem to forget is that this incarnation of Blade, which was very changed from the comic books, actually debuted elsewhere, namely in an episode of the Amazing Spider-Man cartoon series on Fox, in an episode named simply Blade the Vampire Killer. Which is what me and you were talking about on the phone earlier. But all the things are there, pretty much. Blade is working on his own with Whistler as a mentor, a very different Whistler. From the Whistler we get in the movies, but Whistler all the same. But that's the whole thing about, which to me is really remarkable about the Blade thing, because mm-hmm. the whole Blade franchise, they don't look at him as a Marvel comic right. guy. They look at Blade like he's a character separate. They look at him as a Wesley Snipes character. But even if you look at his history in Marvel comics, when is he? He was in the Tomb of Dracula book. Then he was kind of gone for a while. Then he was in the Midnight Suns books, which were their own separate imprint within the Marvel Universe. Where, like, all the... Where they tried to do the thing with the whole mystical... They wanted to do their version of Vertigo. But they didn't know how to do it right. Right. This is what I don't understand about comic books. If I had Marvel Mm -hmm. Comics, this is what I would do. I would... Joey Q, we're talking to you. I would fragment it. You had your regular Marvel Universe. Take the X... Universe and mutants have that. that have it yeah. in their own universe because whenever you try to mix them into the superhero universe, it does not right. work. They tried to do Blade in comic books mm-hmm. where they mix them up with Spider Man, it didn't work. That's why he works best when he's by himself, and that's why a lot of people don't identify the Blade movies with Wesley Swipes as being the Marvel movies because. It's so far removed from what we expect right. from Marvel things. What most people know Blade from is, of course, the movies. And the first one came out in 1998. It was titled Simply Blade. By the way, folks, all information here is courtesy of the Internet Movie Database. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> the director was Steve Norrington. The stars were Wesley Snipes was cast, of course, and very excellent casting there has Blade. Chris Christopherson was the mentor Whistler. Stephen Dorff was Deacon Frost. Boucher Wright was his romantic interest in the film. And we have Donald Logue was one of his allies. He also shows up in Ghost Rider, playing the same sort of character, the, the nerdy sidekick type. Udo Kier was a vampire elder. And of course, Tracy Lords, in one of her early non-pornography roles, was in this film as well. Well, let's give her credit. Tracy Lord, she was a big porn star back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And she reinvented herself. She said, you know what? I want to change myself. I want to do this. I want to do that. And she really did. Me, I consider her a legitimate actress. I really do. Because I can see that she's really trying to change. Now, I think you way. have a better opinion of this first film than I do. No, you have a better... I have a better no. opinion of the second okay, one than you do. I don't care for Blade, the first one, very much at all. Neither do I. I like it. Okay. I like it in the sense that it's a Marvel movie mm-hmm. that people don't know it's a Marvel right. movie. That's the success of this movie. Because people didn't go into it well, it's not a Marvel superhero movie. They wouldn't see it because it was a Wesley Snipes movie. Right. Is it a good movie? There's a lot of parts of it. It's actually boring. It's dull. Yeah. Oh, it drags yeah, on. Yeah, you sit there and, you're bo- and you say, well, damn, when is something going to happen? And I know you you liked him a little better than I did, but I thought that Stephen Dorff was not a good choice as the villain. I was mm-hmm. glad they didn't make him some old guy. Right. Sitting on a throne. Well, it was a young, vital yeah. guy that could present a physical threat. But he didn't. That was the problem. Even when he had that, that special ritual that made him 
unkillable. He didn't prove to be a threat to Wesley Snipes' character. But it was a young guy. He was young, he was vital, he wasn't some old guy plotting something yeah. for 10 million years and then, right. oh, well, I was waiting for I you will to come along. Yeah. I will say, though, that the first 10 minutes of the film, which starts with the guy going into the rave. Yeah. Oh, that well, is an amazing yeah, yeah. sequence. Well, that's the best part of the movie. Yeah. When they have the blood rage. Yeah. They, yeah, man. Blood bath. When you talk about the Blade movies, the best thing that you can say about all three of the movies mm -hmm. is that it gives you an insight into the subculture of vampire world. And I will admit, they, all three movies get that right about right. what a subculture of the vampire world would be like. Mm -hmm. This is a world we don't know about. And vampires say, well, we don't go around right. molesting people and everything. Mm -hmm. They actually induce people who want to be vampires right. or thralls or slaves. That's what I like about all three of the movies. It's a world is not in your face. It's a metaphor for like drug stuff. Right. Whatever else you want to say in our society. The S&M culture. Something like that. Right. That's what we may think is harmful. This is the vampire subculture. And it's never brought out in more out on my view than Blade 2. Well, we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Yeah. That's the Tiffany yeah, part that's of, the, of that Yeah, that's the crown. In, yeah, but go ahead and finish what you It does <coughs> provide a good introduction for the character as played by Snipes. Blade I, is a good movie. Blade is a good Wesley Snipes movie. Mm -hmm. Blade is a good Marvel Comics movie. Is it a good movie? I don't know. Is it a good Wesley Snipes movie? Yeah. The thing is, is that they tell you everything you need to know about Blade in that first couple of minutes. Where they show his traumatic birth. Like in Blade 2. Right. In Blade 2, there's a minute. Watch it's a narration. It's not even a yeah, shot. It yeah, is well, a voiceover that lasts less than a minute. My and mother was bit by a vampire. I got their powers. I don't have to do this. And then, blah, blah. Boom. And then, boom, we go to the rest of it. They could have did that in the first movie. Yeah. The one thing that I did really like, and something that carries over into all three films is the relationship Wesley Snipes has with Whistler. I love the fact that he's like this grungy, nasty biker dude. He has a more interesting relationship with Chris Office than he does with the person who's supposed to be his romantic he's lead. A, they took that from when they did Ghost Rider. Yeah. Remember they did Chris... It's the same relationship that Nicholas Cage, Cage has with, with Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Okay, they took that from this movie. Although Wesley I wonder, Snipes and Chris Christopher. Because Caretaker, the character appeared in Ghost Rider about three years before Blade came out. I uh -huh. wonder if Goyer was taking that relationship, has depicted in the comics, and transferred it to Blade. Because, of course, later on he has a hand in putting together the Ghost Rider deal. I'm wondering if that's the, if that's the situation there. If that one was inspired by another, which then inspired the film based on the source material. This film, oh boy, did it make money. Oh, it was a major hit. Yeah, this really, I think, made you right. Probably made people start looking at... This is the movie... I don't care what you say, Tom. That made Marvel mm -hmm. and everybody... Universal, MGM... It made all the major Hollywood right. studios... Look, look, say, Damn, people want to see superheroes. To me, the ironic thing was... was that it wasn't a recognized superhero right. that everybody knew. It was a third-tier character nobody cared about. Right. But because Wesley Snake was hot at the time, you had a direct Steve Norrington who was looking to make a name for himself. Right. He managed to squander that name with the next film he made, which was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But he said, I'm going to pull out all the yeah. stops. He told the student, this is what you can do with CGI. That's what he did with Blade. That's why they gave him all the rest of his right. movies. This is what we're going to do with special effects. You don't need actors. Because in right. Blade 2, there's an extended martial arts sequence that's right. CGI. Mm -hmm. They went through a couple of years, though, before they made the sequel. The sequel was going to get made. And, in fact, they had gone through a couple of scripts. Originally, David Goyer had submitted a script where Blade went up against Morbius, the living vampire, which is another C-level Marvel character. Marvel chose not... Because they were already seeing that, hey, there's money in the Dar Hills, and wanted to keep Morbius rights tied up just in case they could get a, a Morbius a film. A spin-off movie, man. Right. A Morbius movie. Now, what they ended up doing was they went to... Let's take a minute. Why don't you like David Escoy? So the fact that he's a dickweed? Well... Uh -huh. oh. When we get to three, 
which is the one that he wrote and directed. You can see... And you know why I'm doing this? I'm doing this now because I want to get this out the way so mm-hmm. people understand where we're coming from when, when we, we get, get to, to three. He seems to not have as good... I know he thinks he does. He does not have a grasp of character that he thinks he does. He does not have a real strong grasp of plotting. And he does have his tendency to, I think, give up internal consistency in terms of a plot for the benefit of a neat scene. And you will see that a lot when we get to Blade Trinity. It's rather telling that the first one and the third one, I'm like, either so-so or in the case of the third one, I actively, truly hate. We're talking about pulse-level hate here, people. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the one that is successful is the one where he has a really strong director who's already established attached to it. Not only that, a director who has an ulterior motive for taking this project on. Which is what we're going to talk about when we get into Blade 2. two. Which is, I think we agree, it's the most interesting. It's the best and on all levels, artistically and behind the scenes, is more interesting. And I'm willing to bet why we like Blade 2 so much is more attributed to the director's influence. Namely, the Spanish director we've Talked about him before on this so podcast. So you want to get into Blade Two? Might right as now? well. Okay. Mister Guillermo de Toro. Now, I want to tell you something. The very first movie. I think Tom, it was also the first time we met face to face. We had talked on the yes, phone before. It, yes, we it had, was. It yeah. was the first time. Hellboy is a special movie for me, and I have it on DVD. And I always tell people because that's the first time me and Tom actually met face to face. We had talked on the phone. And we had communicated by email yeah. for about a year before that. But that was the first time we had met face-to-face. And yes. that was the first movie we saw. And I'm going to be honest with you. I cannot think of a better movie oh, than God. I would want to see somebody with for the first time. Other than my wife. <laughs> that and I mean, we walked out of there. We were, yes! And then we, we saw a, a press screen that was set up. For HWA, so yeah, it's like uh, you, me, and F. Paul Wilson, all these other cats. Tom, oh wait a minute! And <laughs> not even that. Tom introduced me to F. Paul Wilson, the author of the Repairman Jack novels. <laughs> I was like, hama, 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 hama. I sat next to F. Paul Wilson, folks. But so yeah. Goyer writes this script. It went through a couple of name changes. It was originally called Blade Two Blood Hunt. I think that was the Morbius version, and it became Blade Two Blood Lust before finally becoming just simply Blade Two. They offered it to a couple of directors. Guillermo del Toro accepted it for a reason. We've talked in the past how Guillermo del Toro doesn't do anything just as a lark. Yes. He has a purpose in his life. Every film that he does, there is a reason for him doing it. He wanted to get financing for a film called Hellboy. He wanted to prove to Hollywood that the person he wanted to star in the film, Hellboy, namely Ron Perlman, great character actor, could carry a film. And more importantly, he wanted to prove to Hollywood that this comic book artist that he wanted to bring in in a integral capacity, yep. the man who created Hellboy, Mike Magnolia, Mike Magnolia, could work in the Hollywood system. So he's got all these elements that he wants to put to work. He has this agenda, and he agrees to do Blade Two. Stars are Wesley Snipes, who comes back, Chris Christopherson comes back, Ron Perlman, we've mentioned already. And basically, what Guillermo del Toro told the studio, he said, I'll give you a blockbuster movie, movie, but you have yeah. to finance... Right the movie I want to do. Also in this film, and you and I have talked about this actress extensively when talking about this movie, Leonora Varela, who plays <laughs> Nissa. Norman Reedus plays... Who I don't understand. Why does it get more work in Hollywood? Who, uh, Leonora? Yeah, the one, the one you're She's talking. great. I don't understand why she doesn't get more work. She's gorgeous. And she can act. In a movie like Blade 2, Folks, I'm going to gush, man. I'm not even going to gush. I'm going to orgasm. This is a movie. This is a marrying movie for you, huh? Yeah. I want to marry this movie. I mean, Blade 2 is so great. It's got story, plot, characters, action, twists. Uh, go ahead, Tom. You just got okay. to take it from me. And one of the great things about this film is that unlike other films where they shoot in a foreign country and try to pass it off as an American city, 
They set it in the country. It's in Budapest. Budapest. And That's another thing I love about this movie. It's not set in America. It's in a foreign country. Which ties in that last scene in uh, the first film where we see him in Russia. First of all, when you said in a foreign country like that, right. it's almost like being in another world for most Americans. Because right. we never get to go to Budapest. Mm-hmm. There's plot twists every 30 seconds. Okay, let's let's briefly go through the plot as briefly as we can, considering go how th- twisty it is. Blade. No, the plot is very yeah. simple, really. Blade finds Whistler in Budapest. Who was not killed in the first movie, but as we found yeah. out, but was turned to a vampire right. himself. He takes Whistler back yeah. and finds out that they let him find him because they wanted to find Blade because there is a new breed of predator out there. They're called the Reapers. They look like the standard Nosferatu vampire. Gray, decaying looking skin. Pointed ears and a line going from their lower lip, lip down, down into their, to their chest. chin. Because their whole face opens up. up. <laughs> the Reaper virus one is infectious to both humans and vampires, and two, it tends to turn a person within a couple of hours. Unlike yeah. with a vampire bite where it takes a few days. The Council of Vampires is very terrified of this. because, And this is what I love about this movie. Mm-hmm. Whistler nails it right on the head. He said, right. you know why they're scared? Because they're not at the top of the front chain anymore. That's why they go to Blade. Because Blade is the top vampire killer of the world. Right. To help him out, the head of the Vampire Council in Budapest lends him out his daughter, Nyssa, and her team of crack vampire commandos, the Blood Pack. Woo! Now, if you look at it on widescreen, folks, if you have this movie, it's a comic book panel. Yeah. With all of the Blood Pack and how they... The thing I love about the Blood Pack is that Guillermo Toro finds a way to give each character his personality right there and then. You can figure out his light hammer. Light yeah. hammer and his girlfriend Verlaine. Yeah, Verlaine. There's uh, Sunshine, Donnie Yen's character. Right. And then of course we have who is the best oh, yeah. character of the Blood Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Played by Ron Perlman. And he's a son of a bitch. And I love the fact, as you've pointed out, that for each one of these people have their own attitude towards Blade. Yeah. There are some who are indifferent to him, and then there's people like Reinhardt and the, I forget what the American guy's name was. They're actually, just turn your back on us. Yeah. Just turn your back yeah. on us. Because the whole thing is that the Blood Pack has been trained to hunt down Blade. As Nissa explains. As Nissa says, well, these guys was trained for 10 years to hunt you down. Mm-hmm. Now they got to take order in a scene with Reinhardt. He right. says, I'm the head dog of this pack. Right. When he attaches the up. bomb to him. Yeah, he puts the bomb on his <laughs> Then they go hunting the Reapers. We talked about how much the rave sequence in the first film was great. It's little potatoes compared. But hold on, but hold on. You're forgetting something. What? what am I f- You're forgetting the subplot that's also going on because now Blade needed some technical backup. Right. So he's got this young kid. Scud. Scud. Played by Norman Reedus. So now they've got their own little thing going on. And, and there's this suspicion that Blade has that maybe... They've turned Whistler, so maybe he's... It's very, very clear there is a traitor in their midst. They know that. But they got that great scene where they walk across the street yeah. and there's Blade in the blood pack. It's a great scene. And they go into the club. Yeah. It's a scene where they have the blood rage. It's like in a big theater. Because Nyssa tells Blade, you got everybody so fucking scared right. that we've had to do... So she shows him through these special the, the, glasses... Yeah, right. Where they've got tattoos and they've got And I can't emphasize enough how much of a great character this is. One of the weakest elements in the first film was this quote-unquote romantic relationship that Snipes had with Boucher Wright's character. This is a relationship, and you see it, it's very natural how it develops between Snipes and Yeah, yeah, it's not forced. These are people put together by their circumstance, which is what usually happens in relationships. First of all, they develop a respect, and then they develop a romantic kind of thing. It never it, becomes out It's out never romantic. consummated, but you get the hints of it, because there's a scene where they're in the tunnel. Right, and, and he has a choice, and he chooses to say Exactly. Her. Blade 2. It's one of these movies, Blade it never lets up, it is... Blade 2, it's like when we were talking yeah. about the Fantastic Four. That's the movie they should have made for. Oh, man, it is such a gorgeous they, movie. They don't let up. There's a scene where Wesley Snipes, for those of you who have seen it, 
And know what I'm talking about? It's a scene where he's fighting off the Reapers that are coming at him. He says, right. you do not know who you're dealing with. Right. And to me, that's Blade. He says, and wham! Wham! Because, of course, he develops those UV bombs. The UV bombs, yeah. It's just a magnificent, satisfying movie experience from first frame to last. Without a doubt, it really is far and away the best film in the And they series. had the running gag in there, the, the uh, vampire. They let right. go at the beginning of the movie, and he yeah. keeps running into him and at the end of the movie. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That, that was so scary, <laughs> man. You, you, think I, you think I forgot you think about it? You think I forgot about you? <laughs> when you talk about Blade, I think of Blade 2. I don't think of Blade 1 Thank or God help Blade us, 3. We don't think of Blade I, We're going to talk about the series uh, after we get... We're going to get into the... Blade uh, Trinity and then we're getting into the series. Okay. You want to talk Once about... Once again, Blade 2. Lot, a lot of money. Lot of money. So, of course, it stood to reason there would be a Blade 3. First, they offered the film to Oliver Hirschbiegel. Well, never heard of him. German director... We talked about one of his films in the preview episode a couple of episodes back. Originally, David S. Goyer pitched this whack job idea that they were going to set Blade Trinity in the far future where vampires have become the dominant species. I heard that. And yeah. Blade was the only one that was opposing them. And because yeah, Blade yeah. had vampire blood, he was effectively immortal. Thank God that was next. Unfortunately, what we got was far worse than that goofy idea. Blade fucking Trinity. Otherwise known as the Night Stalker's guest starring Blade. That's the other thing is that David Esquire, who really wanted his director's guild card, he held out to become the director of the film. David Esquire, he wrote Blade Two. He wrote but Guillermo, but Guillermo del Toro directed. Yeah. Which makes me think that the Guillermo del Toro had more to do his direct. Skill. Well, if you, you're familiar with Guillermo del Toro's Ovier, there are some themes and motifs that show up in Blade 2 in terms of things like the head vampire is a very Guillermo del Toro concept. The idea of him like tweaking around with the genetics, that right. is very much a Guillermo del Toro concept. So I right, have to assume yeah. that del Toro partially rewrote the script. Exactly, which is the point I'm trying to make. Looking at third Blade, right. which is like David Escoya. Blade 2. I think Guillermo del Toro had more to do yeah. with that than a lot of people well, yeah, would like to say rewrite the strip right. because that's the movie. When anybody say, oh well, I want to see Blade. I say, no, skip the first one. Definitely don't see the third one. Get the second one. As a matter of fact, they have a thing in the first 10 minutes yeah. where they tell you everything you everything know you need to know, know about, about the character. The yeah. My mom was hit by a vampire. I have vampire blood in me. I, may, I have all of their strengths but none of their weaknesses. My best friend was made into a vampire. Bang, I've been bang, looking for Big bang, boom. That's all you need to know. David Gascoyer convinced them that he gets to direct this one. Stars, once again, reprising Wesley Snipes. And by the way, you're wondering why there's not a Blade 4. A lot of it has to do with the fact that Wesley Snipes hated David S. Goyer's guts. Yes, he did. Yo, reports while this was being made was that he would not come out of his trailer. He would not talk to Goyer. They had to work through an intermediary. Wesley called me on the phone. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Talk said, to this asshole. He said, Derek, call me. Yes, I said, Wesley, I can't do that for you, man. Chris Christopherson reprises his role as Whistler for like five minutes. Dominic Purcell played Drake, who was yeah, going to be the big bad. Yeah, but honestly, what I heard was that the problem was that this movie was supposed to be set up oh, as yeah. a launching point for a new series with Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel as the Night Stalker. And Wesley Snipes resented being a supporting character in his yeah. own series. See the thing about Blade 2? Yeah! Snipes is having a ball in that film. He's he loving kicks, it! He kicks ass all over the place in that movie. There are scenes where you can tell that he has a smile on his face because he's enjoying the process. Whereas in Trinity, he is... Sour yeah, yeah. and sullen throughout. The okay, so yeah, Dominic Purcell was supposed to be the big bad Drake, but the real big bad was, and I love this actress, Parker Posey. She's the real villain, oh, but yeah, of course, right. But the big stars of this film are Mr. Ryan Reynolds, who I can't stand. I hate Ryan Reynolds and everything he does. You do? Yes, I do. And Jessica Biel. Who I hate everything she does. There you I go. can't stand. Part of the legendary League of Jessicas. I can't stand I don't hate her as much as you do, but 
she's though. not a very good actress. She was in The, the Illusionist. Illusionist. I said to myself, maybe she is a good actress. No, she's not. It depends on the right. material and the director. She's nowhere near the level of Scarlett Johansson. Right. Or who hey, else you heard it first, people. Derek just said something nice about ScarJo. <laughs> I love Scarlett Johansson. As a matter of fact, I've told you before, Ghost World is one of my favorite yes, movies. Yes. I love that because I think that Thorburn is so hot in that movie. That's the only movie that made me wish I could go back to high school. But Jessica Biel? She's one of these actresses like, she's one of these women that everybody, oh, she's so hot. I can't see it. Where I do you see, see she's so I hot? I can see why Jessica Biel is hot more than I can see why Jennifer Garner is hot. She's got that baby face thing that appeals to me, yeah. but I would go to a Jessica Alba film before I'd go and see a Jennifer Oh, Jessica yeah, Beale yeah, film. yeah, Cause, yeah. Because yeah. she's got this kind of like yeah. zombie... If it was two movies, yeah. two movies, Jessica Biel, I'd go see Jessica Alba. Yeah, because yeah. Jessica Biel has Jessica this Beale. kind of sonambulistic way of walking through a film, where she yeah. always seems like she's half awake. Yeah. The plot. There's a plot? There is a plot. Tell me you surprised The first moment I knew I was in trouble with this film... <laughs> Was when the opening credits come up. And you know how in Blade 2, the opening credits came up and you got this cool voiceover by Wesley Snipes telling you what you needed to know about the film? My mother was bitten by a Yeah, vampire. exactly. What we get in Blade Trinity is Ryan Reynolds doing a voiceover about, Oh, you think that, that vampires are guys with goofy capes with European accents? That's not what I want to hear tells me nothing about the movie, and it tells us about, well, we thought it was our story, but it was really his. But the movie was set up to be a launching point for a whole Night Stalker yeah. series. The major villain in this film, Miss Danica Thorne, played by Parker Posey, sets up a frame job on Blade. After, of course, she's discovered the grave of Drake, who is the source of the Dracula legend. Okay. And supposedly yeah. he is the first vampire, and the, the earliest form of vampire that he's not even human anymore. But he does know how to blend in by shape-shifting. So she's done this, unlike most of these other vampires who came to the, the, the corners in the darkness, she is in tune with the world now, and she has created this media campaign against Blade, turning him into the public perception that he is this dangerous psychopath. During the course of his capture, by the way, Whistler is killed. That's going to come into play later on in the film. He's saved by the Night Stalkers, who break in through the glass. It's Ryan Reynolds in a goofy little emo boy outfit with a, Hello, my name is Fuck You. The Night Stalkers team up with Blade to defeat Drake. And, of course, Danica Thorne, who's turned Ryan Reynolds. There's also some dopey-ass vampire dogs. And it's all about, look at how cool my new characters are. Blade is standing around going, look at how cool Tom. you guys are. Tom. Yes? Say the listeners in trouble. It's a lousy movie. It's, oh, pulse-level hate. It's a lousy movie. There's that one scene where they introduce the Jessica Biel character. She... Re takes out that thing with the the sunlight in between it. Yeah. That's where it definitely lost me, because it, the Blade films, even though there is some high-tech in them, it's still relatively grounded in reality. This isn't going to matter to any of y'all that listen to this, because there's some of you that Ryan Reynolds, you're going to go see it anyway because you want to see him play The right. Flash or Hawkeye. Thank God that never happened. The Hawkeye. Or you love Jessica Biel and you think she's hot. You're not going to think about anything we say anyway. And that's okay. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a lousy movie. If you want to spend your money to see it, that's alright with you. And I see completely what you mean about the fact that it is set up purely to show, look at how cool these new characters are. Don't you want to see them in a new movie? For example, there's that team where they're about to go and confront Danica Thorne and her family for the first time. Mm -hmm. And they get into the SUV, but before they go drive off, Ryan Reynolds has to explain, and it takes about two minutes to explain to Blade that Abby Whistler, you know, the character Jessica Beals is playing, yeah. likes to put on a... Because uh, she's supposed to be Whistler's right. niece. Uh, uh, no, Whistler's daughter. Daughter. Niece. Which yeah, comes out right. of nowhere, because you're sitting there going like, okay, Blade spent ten years with Whistler. This was the man who was his best friend. It was his father figure. 
You think somewhere along the line he would have mentioned he had a daughter? Another daughter, not the thing. Yeah, that's why I don't like this movie. But the film has to stop for two minutes while Ryan Reynolds explains that Abby likes to have music while she hunts. So she has to download all this music to her iPod before she goes out and kills vampires. That is all, of course, the latest, hottest stuff. It's a horrible movie. And I want it, to talk for a second about the villains themselves. Okay. About the thorns. Folks, this is going to be a regular thing on <laughs> Better in the Dark. It's Tom's five minutes, where, uh, we, where I give Tom I five, five minutes, minutes, I give Tom five minutes to say anything he wants to say, and I don't interrupt him about any subject he wants. I, so now, without any further ado, here's Tom's five okay. minutes. Earlier on, I stated that I really am a fan of Parker Posey's. Correct? It's your five minutes. I'm just saying. I think she's... <laughs> I think she's... And, achingly gorgeous woman. I think she's incredibly talented. She is terrible in this film. It's one of the few times I've ever seen a film where she's given a bad performance. And part of it is, because you ever like talk to a person with bad dentures, and they kind of like slur their words? Only my grandparents. She sounds like that, so I have to think that <laughs> the budget was so low on this one that they couldn't do custom-made dentures for her because she slurs her words a lot and it sounds like the the false teeth are clacking. She's given terrible makeup, terrible outfits. Every other villain in this film, including Paul Levesque, otherwise known as Triple H, are terrible, terrible actors. Drake, the ultimate big bad, the one that the Night Stalkers broke, laid out because they're afraid they can't deal with him alone, turns out to be non-essential to the plot. He goes... He scares them a couple of times. He turns to drop a baby off a roof. And then he dies and says, Oh, you're the true future of our kind. See, you remember Blade 3 better. In anticipation for... I was preparing for this episode. I watched Blade 1 and 2. I do have Blade 3, but I just didn't watch it because that's how much I dislike it. I don't watch it. I really don't. I really don't like that movie. I do like Ryan Reynolds. I like him. I can't him. stand the man, but, you know. I like him as an actor. You can see Wesley Snipes' obvious dislike. Well, the best part of, of the film is where it gets a chance in character to show his contempt for this. Where he just says, you guys are vampire hunters, you're fucking amateurs. And when you talk about vampire hunters, Blade is right up there. Right. He's the man. After you hear this, when are they going to hear this time? In October, Okay, October. Perfect time. Horror movies, everything like that. Rent Blade 2. You will get everything you need to know about the character in that one. You have an outstandingly entertaining movie. This one did not do as well, but it still made money. Goyer wanted to do a fourth one. Goyer really wanted to do was Night Stalkers the series. And the funny thing is, okay, if you go on the DVD, they have the original ending for Blade Trinity. Nothing about Blade in the original ending. It's basically Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel fighting a, a werewolf in the middle of a casino. So Goyer couldn't get New Line interested in Blade 4. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, Wesley Snipes pretty much told New Line Cinema, I ain't working with this asshole again. Mm. So, what do you do? You go to television. Which leads us to the last stop on the Blade Express, Blade the Series. Now, I gotta give Goyer some credit for having grapefruits. Because he actually went to Snipes and asked him if he wanted to reprise the role for Blade the series, which appeared on Spike TV in 2006 mm-hmm. for a grand total of 12 episodes. Wesley Snipes said, fuck you, David Goyer. So they cast the rapper Sticky Fingers as Blade, and he scowls a lot. Tries to be very mm-hmm. raspy. Okay. Problem is, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, and I only sat through a half of the pilot before I gave up. The problem with the Blade the series is it isn't about Blade. Bingo. I watched six episodes. You actually sat through half of the series. And you hit it right on the head. The real star of the film. Is the supporting character who gets turned into a vampire. Played by Jill Wagner. And seduced into the vampire underworld. And she passes all information to Blade. Right. So she's like the double. But then if you're going to do that, then you don't need Blade. Make right. the series about her. If they just made it Darcy of the Dark, that would You don't worked. need Blade. They needed the Blade Oh, name. my God. And Be no, honest. Okay. And, also, and no, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. I don't blame Sticky Fingers. Somebody comes to you and says, 
I'm going to back up a truckload of money to your, uh, your backyard to play a character that's was, all already established. He's one of these people who was a comic book fan before getting the... Exactly. So I don't, like, if somebody backed up a, a truckload of money and said, well, Derek, could you play Daredevil? Well, <laughs> I'd, I'd come see that movie. <laughs> yeah, I said, well, I don't think I could do it, but if you want to give me the money, yeah. yeah. So that's what he did. And he did the best he could. And to be honest with you, he didn't do that bad a job. But he wasn't given a lot to do. Exactly. I mean, because, found, because the series wasn't about him. And what little I saw, I found his interaction wasn't with about his sidekick. Him. Yeah, played right. By Nelson Lee. I found that dynamic far more interesting right. than the dynamic between the him and... The series wasn't about that, him, right. though. So because you, it was interesting because it was he had to deal with this new armorer type who wasn't Whistler... Who wasn't in the style that he was in. The last time he had somebody that young, that the guy right. betrayed him. I'll tell you the exact moment where I gave up. We were watching the pilot together. Yeah. In your house. The moment where Jill Wagner, who's already even been at this point, started hallucinating about her sire, who was played by Neil Jackson. Yeah. He's uh, like uh, this. The, the House of Dagon, they're called. They, basically, the premise of the series is that Blade moves to Detroit to take care of the House of Dagon. Which is run by this guy. There's no reason for Blade to be in this series at all. No. You could have did it about her. But what? And her brother. Right. Because that's what brought the main character back. She goes to her brother's funeral. Then she goes to the vampire subculture. Granted, it wasn't as silly as Blade Trinity where you had the blood factory... With the ludicrous shot of the people in the giant-sized blood bags, it was still pretty ludicrous. She's been bit by this vampire. She's having a dream about how he was turned. And it was basically him, during the time of the pilgrims, being surrounded by vampire Indians. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what the hell is this crap? Not surprisingly, it did not do well. It played out its 12-episode commitment to Spike TV and then was quietly allowed to die. The ratings were very low, even for Spike. And you figure, because Spike's third-tier basic cable... This is the, the the network that started out as the national network. Spike TV, well, I've been with them for a long time. They were the national network. They were the national network. That's what they were showing. Their big claim to pay when they were at TNN, the national network, was that they had the WWE contract. TNN, they've been through all these different permutations. Yeah, they'd sell to... The Spike TV and they're like Men's Network. Did anybody, when they renamed the network, the Spike Network, think for a second how ludicrously phallic the name came off? Well, if you remember, they had to have an identity because there's so many other. Well, what's wrong with Men's TV or TV Testosterone or something like that? Spike is good. It just seemed a little silly. You've sat through this more than I did, so you. I sat through six episodes. Randy Quaid ever come back? I have no idea. Because Randy Quaid played was like a professor who actually went underground. I didn't watch it because I'm like you. It wasn't about Blake. And they had the guts to say, this is an original vampire right. series, and said it about the character. Mm-hmm. They did. They tried to take the Blade name, metamorphosize it into a franchise. It seems like Goyer was trying once again to get... Yeah, because Goyer was the executive producer right. of this series. Listen. Goyer's a jackass. Folks, Blade 2. Yes, Blade 2 is pretty much all you need to know about this series. If you want action, adventure, you want to know about the character, you want Blade 2. Otherwise, leave it alone. And I think we can safely say that this is... Well, we can marginally recommend Blade 1, but Blade 3 is at your own risk. I think we can safely say that this series, unlike the other series that we've talked about in the Marvel movies, is officially dead. Yeah. I don't think we're ever seeing... Although, it wouldn't surprise me about ten years' time somebody tries to do a new Blade film, reboot of the franchise. You know, well... Because I think Trinity just killed it so dead. Because vampires never die. Not only in fiction, but in the movie. And so, yes, I think that we will see... Although, uh, who would take over from Wesley Snipes? That's do we it. have an actor who can have... Because that's the thing. is Even in 1 and 3, there are moments where Wesley does something... And I'm not talking about just in terms of fighting... But just in terms of his attitude, that is just unbearably cool. Well, that was one of the main things about Blade Two that I like. Because Wesley Snipes is a martial artist in himself. And a lot of the moves you see him making in the movie, he's doing that. It's not a stuntman, it's Wesley Snipes. 
And even something as hokey as when Whistler throws him the Oakley sunglasses. Oh yeah! And he in the middle oh, of the but fight, that was, oh, and but he that, just reaches up, picks oh, him. Oh, but that was bad. Yeah. Oh, but that was super bad. bad. Yeah. No. He throws him. That's the whole blade right. mystique. That's in the nature of that type of movie. So right. when it happens, you go with it. You right. say, okay, cool. He's going out to kick ass now. So we've got one more Marvel at the movies to do after this. We're going to be taking a look at some, right now, are one-off films that are probably going to spawn franchises. Maybe, maybe not. Well, I'm going to be talking about Hulk, which a lot of yeah. you guys ain't going to like, but I don't care. I'm I'll be talk talking about, about Daredevil, which a lot of you people didn't like either. And we're going to talk about Electro, which none of you are going to like. <laughs> and I think we talked about... We were going to talk about Punisher. You want to talk about one Punisher or both? Of them? We want to talk. We can talk if I can find copy. But I remember watching the first Punisher, the Dolph Lundgren one, not being too impressed. The thing is, uh, this is another film where people are like going, "Oh, Punisher sucked." That was a good movie, man. Which one? Second one. Second one. Yeah, the Thomas Jane. Version. I liked it. Yeah. I but liked we'll it. talk about that in the, the final episode. Yeah, we're going to talk about. And it apparently, the sad thing is, is that these films that are getting second parts mm-hmm. are all being rebooted. Yes, especially the Hulk, which is right. what I really want to give it to. Although it's so weird, they're talking about they're rebooting it, but they're not rebooting it. That there's going to be continuity between. And the first there was movie. nothing wrong with the first Hulk. And the movie only thing they changed is the entire cast. You know, the fanboy who and yes, I'm sorry, I got no respect for y'all guys. They gave you what you wanted in the first Hulk movie, and you didn't go see it. We'll get into that in that episode, but for right now. I'm Derek Ferguson. And I'm Tom DJ. And oh, we show up. We gotta remember. Give them the information. Give them the information. How to contact us. If you want to leave us an email saying that you love Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Beale, <laughs> and how dare we talk bad about that lovely twosome, please send it to betterinthedark at gmail.com. That's better the letter N, the dark at gmail.com. Hang, maybe Justin Timberlake will chew us out. Or you can leave a comment on our Podcast Alley page and be sure to vote for us there. Or you can leave a comment on the Podomatic page, which is betterinthedark.podomatic.com. And finally, if you really, really want to get into it, you can join our mailing list, which is movies.yahoo.com backslash groups backslash betterinthedark. A lot of opportunities to interact. And of course, if you really, really like us, once we get it trained out, you can donate something on the PayPal link. Just click through, give us some money. I know I'd appreciate it. And we'll, we'll put it into hookers and drugs. No, I'm sorry. Bettering the dough. That's what we're going to put it into. I already have hookers and drugs. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any hookers and drugs. So I don't know. Well, that's any. your problem. No matter what you thought about Wesley Snipes and Blade and all this other stuff, whether you loved it, whether you hated it, no matter what, go, go see, see that, that movie. movie. Good night. Thank you, folks. Take care. God bless. You've been listening to Better in the Dark featuring Thomas J. and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Dave, Super Ugly, and the other geek savants, Mike and James at the World Finest Podcast, and members of the Better in the Dark Yahoo group at movies.groups.yahoo.com backslash group backslash Better in the Dark. Better in the Dark breathlessly awaits the moment when Spike TV renames itself the Swinging Cock Network. Previous episodes for the show can be downloaded from betterinthedark.podomatic.com. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, and pipe bombs to betterinthedark at gmail.com. That's better, the letter N, the dark at gmail.com. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation. All material copyrighted, Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that you'll look really dumb if you're killed by a vampire while wearing a name tag that says, Hello, my name is Fuck You.